there are many stories from over the years that I can point to that the only way um, those things could happen <clears throat> is by a miracle. Um, they weren't coincidence. Uh, things like uh, CD shipments being on trains and the train derailing and all the contents of the train being burned to ashes except the five cases of CDs. Things like that. You're listening to 66.6 FM Radio TOVH The Flush. Oh yeah, welcome back to another thrilling episode of The Toilet of Hell Radio Show. It's me, Joe Thrash and Kill, joined of course by my good and golden buddy. I'm talking of course about 365 Days of Horror, or as I like to call him, Jordan. Jordan, how are you? I am blessed. Peace be with you, Brother Joe. It is very fitting and good and godly that we record these shows on Sunday morning, right? <laughs> and right after Easter. I know. Um, I, I, I used to have to go to church every Sunday when I was a kid, uh, and it killed me because that's your weekend, right? Like, that's the, the golden time that you got before you got to go back to school. And, like, why are you wasting one of the two mornings I've got here? Uh, so I'm glad that we could do acts of service uh, this Sunday morning and every Sunday morning uh, by delivering the good word to our listeners all across the world. Uh, when you had to go to church, did you have to get dressed up in a suit or could you go in like jeans and a cowboy's jersey? When I was younger, you had to because things really did shift in the culture uh, from the 90s to the 2000s. In the 90s, I had to wear like uh, at, least, the, at the very least a nice shirt and like slacks. Uh, and then as we got further into the, um, the extremification of uh, youth uh, Bible study or whatever, you could wear jeans. That was fine. It wasn't the what you can't mix your cotton blends and things like that. And by the 2000s, people were like, oh, whatever, jeans. Isn't that like a Orthodox Jewish thing, the mixing of the cotton blends? Well, isn't it a lot of Christianity stealing from Jewish things? Stealing, inspired by whatever, you know, an homage. Assimilating. <laughs> There's that too. Uh, I bet people are wondering why we're talking about Jesus shit right now, right? <laughs> it's because it's we found the Lord from last show to this one. Yeah, I've really changed my shit up entirely. <laughs> it was just a hell of a week and... We've given it all up, and now we're just talking about goodly things. Yeah. Uh, I saw what a fucking train wreck I had become, and I'm like, time to turn my life over to the Lord. Uh, no, we were looking around for things that we could do to mix it up on this show a little bit, uh, and you you found something uh, you found something special, I would say. Can you tell the folks what it is? Well, it's just we, we can't talk about how annoying... Avenged Sevenfold is every week, despite all their best best efforts to make us talk about them. And I just I don't want to talk about blockchain right now no. or whatever nonsense they're no. into. Don't want to talk about whatever festival has been announced this week. We take a little break from that, and longtime listeners will know we've done movie reviews, documentary reviews from all sorts of good things. And definitely, if you're a newer listener, go back and listen to the one we did about tribute bands. Oh, my the God. The movie is called Tribute. And yeah, if, if you haven't seen that one, or first of all, you need to watch that documentary because it's probably available for free on Tubi. 
and it's great. And then you should listen to the episode afterwards because I had such a fun time with that one. So we wanted to do something similar with this one, watch some sort of metal-related documentary and just kind of talk about it. And we kind of bounced around some ideas. You know, Metallica just put out their new album this week, so I was like, do we want to do some kind of monster? Eh. I've never actually seen it. Wait, 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 wait. You've never seen some kind of monster? No, I don't want to put myself through that. Oh, my God. That's the best, like, heavy metal movie, hands down. Like, by I've far. Seen, I've seen the bits and pieces of it, but never sat all the way through it. Uh, we Okay, we got to do that for another episode then. I love Some Kind of Monster. That's a, that's such a good one. And we kind of also didn't really want to talk about Metallica all that yeah, much, because neither one of us have listened to the new album and probably won't. I mean, I don't think I listened to the last two Metallica records. Uh, the people seem to enjoy it, and some of these... Rival publications seem to be praising it a lot, but come back in about two to three weeks when no one's talking about it. Yeah, uh, I <clears throat> don't really uh, see people talking about Hardwired to Self-Destruct much nowadays. Or Death Magnetic. Or Death Magnetic. That was supposed to be such a big deal. I heard uh, one of the singles from it when it was dropping, and I was like, this is not for Joe. <laughs> It's like the band died right after seeing Anger, and they've just been kind of zombieing, carrying on, occasionally putting out albums and doing horrific live covers of Prince. Uh, essentially, yeah. I think that you've nailed the last 15 years of uh, the Metallica discography pretty well there. So uh, we didn't want to do that, and we kind of bounced around some other ideas. There's some options, but completely at random, I found this movie that we're going to do called Metal Missionaries, and I had not heard of it, I had not seen anything about it, but the subject matter is actually kind of interesting, and I kind of want to know more about it. It's a documentary, purportedly the first documentary, about extreme Christian heavy metal. Yeah, um, this came out in 2017. As I was searching around after I had watched it, I had actually seen that uh, our friends at uh, Drunk in a Graveyard had written a contemporaneous review of it when it came out. Uh, they were, uh, as you can guess, less than pleased with it. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't heard much about it. This is on YouTube. You could watch it for free right now, should you choose. It's put out by the Brutally Delicious Productions, which I think does cooking videos with heavy metal musicians. Um, I don't know... How they're kind of connected with this, I assume it's just the same people. And when they're not interviewing someone from Camelot, they're doing this. And uh, on the YouTube page, here's the description of it. This film is the first full-length documentary about the extreme Christian metal scene. You'll see that although their music may be aggressive, they may not look like Christians. Their heart bursts with the Holy Spirit. They don't need a label or a collar to know who they are. They are missionaries who take their faith not into the deepest reaches of the jungle, but into mm, but into dim, <laughs> dirty rock clubs and dusty music festivals night after night to watch the crowds wash the crowds clad in black t-shirts and denim in a sonic flood of God's unfailing love for them. Now that is a run-on sentence. Boy, howdy! The genre of Christian heavy metal is no longer characterized by Striper's trademark yellow and black spandex. Instead, it's found on the stages of the wildly popular Warp Tour. It's featured on the pages of secular music magazines like AP and Guitar World. It draws thousands of fans into rural Illinois every year for the Cornerstone Festival. We gotta go and to it's that. Ban- 
and its bands garner thunderous applause from hard rockers at events like the Revolver Golden Gods Awards. What the fuck? I don't think they do that anymore. It's only a couple of years. Yeah, and I don't think, like, can you think of any Christian bands that drew thunderous applause at the Revolver Golden God Awards? As I Lay Dying? Ah, okay. There we go. So we'll get into kind of what this movie covers and what it doesn't cover, because that does kind of wrap up uh, a little bit of what happens. And it continues, And while the scene has changed from eyeliner and leather to bushy beards and breakdowns, the musical message has remained the same. God's love for us knows no bounds, and the free gift of grace is spoken in every language. That includes the language of distorted martial stacks that invite those who hear to worship him, and that's a capital H, him. That's how you generally go about stylizing that, Jordan. Oh, yeah, I know. I've accidentally listened to bands and looked at their lyrics and went, oh, you mean him. (laughs) They just love Vili Vallo. (laughs) With shouts of praise and swirling circle pits. Curiously enough, there might be enough similarities to refute the fact that these two ideas cannot coexist within the same universe. Death, pain, and suffering are all themes that metal musicians embrace, while Christianity was formed on the basis of its original followers being persecuted and killed for following a savior who gave his blood and died for our sins. Fucking get so over it already. It? Do Christianity and heavy metal mix together like oil and water, or is Christianity as metal as it gets? Metal Missionaries incorporates live concert footage, one-on-one interviews with band members, secular and non-secular, as well as archive footage and off-camera narration. Boy, do they have a lot of that. Yeah, they the sure film, do. The film transports the viewers backstage, behind the scenes, on order to get an in-depth look into the hearts and minds of extreme Christian metal musicians, from unsigned bands traversing the globe in vans to major label acts riding in luxury buses. The messages are the same. Don't see a lot of the uh, major label acts that are riding in luxury buses in this documentary, I would say. It's more of the uh, latter, completely unsigned bands. Uh, not having really anything to do uh, with a uh, metal audience, really. The best-known bands on this are the secular ones, are the the non-Christian ones who kind of are speaking out against it, and they were only in it for 15 seconds. The first five minutes, yeah. (laughs) Um, I will give... I have very little credit with which to give this movie but i will say that i appreciated that within the first couple of minutes you had opposing voices uh so you had uh someone who goes by rob the witch from a band called necronomicon are you familiar with them i think so but i feel like there's a lot of necronomicons uh so i don't want to say conclusively i know who the fuck this guy is because i don't really uh but is the very first interview uh featured in the documentary he calls out uh, Christianity for essentially assimilating the culture, uh, the primary culture that's around. For example, uh, Christmas being a pagan festival that has been fully consumed uh, by Christianity to make it a Christian, uh, you know, uh, celebration. He says, "I wouldn't be surprised if Christians claim they invented heavy metal in 20 years from now," which I thought was very funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you know, he's he's not wrong with the assimilation and the taking of different cultures and religions and origins and festivals. And you know, throughout the past 30, 40 years of heavy metal, we've seen it creep into more and more of just a generic, broad. They're heavy metal but they're also Christian yeah. because and this documentary doesn't get into it. It doesn't really get into anything, but when in terms of thinking about 
heavy metal and Christian metal, there are, it's kind of like Kramer from Seinfeld's apartment. There's levels, <laughs> there's levels everywhere because there's, you have bands that tend to have, I guess, what can be considered Christian or Judeo Christian themes or values or whatever you want to call it, but they don't necessarily claim themselves to be a Christian metal band. Right. Then you have the next level, which was mostly metalcore in the 2000s, where, yes, we are a Christian metalcore band. We are your As I Lay Dying's, your Showbreads, your uh, whoever else, Sleeping Giant, those sort of things. And then you start to get into bands kind of covered in this documentary where they consider themselves like warriors of God and actual missionaries and we're going on a mission each night to these clubs and we're praying on stage for everyone's souls. And that's what this kind of covers, but it doesn't really cover any of that in depth. It's just interviews with some of these bands, brief interviews, because you don't get too much time with uh, any of them, and just voiceover work with bad stock footage. Very bad voiceover work as well. Uh, I don't know who wrote the bits that the narrator has in this thing, but I wrote down a lot of them because they are jarring. So the writers, I'm looking at the IMDb page. The writers are Colin Jones and Bruce Moore, and Bruce Moore is also the director. But the narrator is Lee Calhoun from the Doom band Iron Man. I see. Uh, another Christian band I've never heard of. Um See, what, the thing is, I know who Lee Calhoun is because I was on a label with him at the same time Oh, with one of my pants. And I don't know who Iron Man is, the band, yeah. but whenever I see their name mentioned, it's always legendary. It's like, well, how much of a legend are you? Uh, gotta say, man, I'm not really familiar with that one. <laughs> Um, so we go from this quick bit with the guy from Necronomicon to a guy who is described as just a heavy metal fan who says that Striper changed his life in the 80s, which, Jesus. Um, this movie name-checks Striper about a hundred times. Uh, I was not really around in the 80s, uh, nor were you, but were Striper really that big a fucking deal? I think just among Christian heavy metal fans. They're still around today. I think they still occasionally put out music. I think they're still yeah, the last, relatively alive thanks to Blabbermouth. Yeah, the last time that I heard anything from them was that like uh, they made big news because they were including a Slayer song on a covers album. It's like, whoa, who gives a fucking shit? <laughs> and they did a show, I think in Mexico, where Slayer played and they played. Like, they were the headliners. See... <clears throat> It seems like they have uh, definitely aged into self-parody at this point, if like that's the thing that you're going to be doing. But whatever. Who gives a shit? Uh, they also have Vor from Samael on here. How do you fucking say it? Samael? 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 Samael. Uh, which we talked about uh, recently for some reason or another. Uh, I don't remember why. Good band. Uh, he says, I found very little justification for the existence of Christian metal. Um... And he's, he is so smart, and he's so well put together with this compared to a lot of others, uh, where he says, uh, essentially, I don't care for it, not because it's Christian, but because it is almost always done with stereotypical metal sounds just thrown together to convey a religious message. It doesn't sound good. <laughs> he's not wrong. He is not wrong at all. Uh, they also have Ben Falgust from Goat Whore. Uh, who tries to be really 
kind uh, for the most part. He says diplomatic. That, yeah, he's you know he's essentially saying that history has shown that Christianity has been a destructive force, but I don't really want to discriminate uh, against the Christians of the present. I, ju- I just don't want people to think metal is stupid, which thank you, Ben Falgos of Goat Whore. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about that opening segment that had some uh, some dissenting voices? I think like all the dissenting voices were very well-spoken and very good representatives of the heavy metal community that may not be interested in Christian heavy metal, uh, but were fairly respectful in their interviews and thoughtful this documentary i appreciate them including them but this is all you get pretty much for the entire hour and 15 minutes of any sort of pushback or dissent and as far as like entertainment purposes this really is just a bunch of bunch of interviews strung together Whereas you look at some of the better documentaries out there about music, and there are a lot of them out of there, there's a storyline. Yeah. Or there's a, a focus on a couple of people or a couple of bands, and or, there's some sort of struggle or, or conflict. Perform- or, or performances, even. You don't you don't actually hear any music aside from like stock metal-ish sound effects in this. And they do like showing in the background like two to three supposedly Christian metal bands. We don't, I don't think they announce them or they might at the bottom of the screen, but you know, we don't even really hear the music all that much. So what I think would have been a better way of doing this is instead of just interviewing 20 bands, you follow three around, you go to one of their live shows and then you interview people in the crowd. Why do you like this band? Why do you like Christian heavy metal? Why do you not like this? Why are you, outside protesting or you're in a secular band how do you feel about this and maybe following them along on their journey if this is their mission how does their mission go do they really affect people is it just night in night out you're playing in front of no one and no one's listening but we don't get any of that no it's um it's pretty bereft of content here as a matter of fact like I was watching this earlier this week, and I was getting bored, and I was texting you like, this sucks, I don't want to do this, this is stupid, this is boring, Uh, until I made it about 30 minutes deep, and I was like, oh shit, dude, we have to do this. (laughs) Um, Because we we kind of start with uh, the reasonable thing of including dissenting voices, and then we get to a bunch of interviews with artists that you and I have never heard of in our lives and will likely never hear of again unless they're involved in like a January 6th-esque situation. Where they're- Here, so uh, our listeners can raise your hand if you're listening, if you've heard of any of these bands that are included. Faithhead, A Hill to Die Upon, Frost Like Ashes, True Liberty, The Protest, Vials of Wrath, Sam I.L., Goat whore. I, I, I know Sam Allen, I goat whore. Necronomicon. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Dawn of Ashes. Bloodthirsty. Exhortation. Brought X Blood. Grave Robber. Lord. Nord Lord would not be the one with the E at the end, right? No, it is not the Lord everybody knows. Okay. No, no I'm sorry. <laughs> I've got two out of like 20. And we could probably both rattle off 15 to 20 bands right now that we know are Christian metal bands. Living Sacrifice. Dow. Uh, burnt Offering. 
uh, fuck. <laughs> there's plenty. There's plenty out there. Yeah, and I'm pretty certain a lot of them would be more than happy to do an interview at least the bassist or the drummer are probably available yeah but i guess if you're trying to go for the extreme christian stuff like they have some black metal in here but i've listened to some of these other bands there's nothing extreme about them a lot of them are like hard rock or punk let's so, let's be clear like two of the bands that get a lot of shine in this uh are not even a little bit metal. Uh, True Liberty, which again gives me fucking hives as a band name, uh, is like a Rise Against esque punk band, which is to say not good. Uh, and then Grave Robber, uh, which is a fella who wears a spirit uh, Halloween getup uh, on stage and talks like this. Uh, he's he's a, the star of the whole thing. He is, but he's in a fucking horror punk band. Like, it's, whoa! There is no, like, metal to be had in his sound at all. From Indiana. From in, uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, which makes so much sense, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is it is weird that they do focus. Uh, Grave Robber doesn't get enough focus. They should have been for most of the movie. But with True Liberty, they're interviewing this guy, and... I find it funny that they're called True Liberty, and I listen to one of their albums, and it's per- perfectly acceptable punk music, but just with awful vocals <laughs> that do not fit in with the music. But when he's doing his interview, he has his guitar case up, and it says Drew Liberty uh, spray-painted on it, and he has a tiny little practice amp with a Union Jack on it. Yeah, really, really cheesy stuff. Um, and, and here's the thing. Like like you said with True Liberty, like the vocals are awful. The thing about every one of these bands, because I listen to most of them, is that they all have at least just one huge glaring flaw. It's like nobody would ever reasonably listen to this because A, like your vocals are shit or the entire thing sounds like it was recorded in a bathtub. Like they all have this common denominator in that they can't quite get basic things right. And I don't want to, you know, cast aspersions on people but it sure makes sense if you're not any good at the thing that you want to do that you would find a way to specialize and find an audience that will accept you even though the thing that you're doing you clearly fucking suck at yeah get good is that too mean is it i don't want to be mean but like nobody involved here can make a decent song to save their fucking lives yeah it's they're they're missing the music and if you probably wrote a hit you could spread your word a lot easier just saying. Uh, there's a reason why, like, bands like uh, Living Sacrifice or whatever, like, completely uh, replacement-level metal, I would say, but because that they're good at, like, just making normal metal noises, they're well-known. <laughs> hey, symbiotic's a good song. Uh, there, there. You kind of get a leg up a little bit, is what I'm saying here, if you choose to self-identify in this, in this kind of scene. Uh, anyway, all right, moving on here. So the first, like, 20 minutes after, you know, hearing the dissenting voices, you hear all of these guys introduce themselves and say, you know, their piece, like, I believe myself to be a missionary. I'm out there every night, like, trying to spread the message. I am called by Jesus to spread his words to audiences that otherwise might not hear it. Would you say that's accurate, basically, the first 20 minutes or so? That, and again, I can't express enough how much there's just voiceover work and stock footage of just random things like we're talking about the globe so here's a computerized 
picture or video of a globe spinning and then we're going to show stock footage of a highway with cars going by and it's it's very dated and this didn't come out that long ago so someone paid for the cheapest stock video package they could have yeah i i wrote a couple of notes uh here that uh, as we gary along I'll, I'll definitely call out the stock imagery they were using for it <laughs> um i was ready to abandon it about at this point when I've heard uh, like the 20th band I've never fucking heard of in my life say, yeah, I'm just really called to spread the word. It's like, cool. I don't, I don't fucking care. Uh, and so we get, uh, to our voiceover man, just seemingly unbidden saying this exact quote. Can I, can I go ahead and share this with you? As long as people are sitting down and prepared for it. Until a person makes a decision to live for Christ all the other changes, no matter how positive, are like bloody piles of menstrual rags, worth less than nothing. Nothing else matters. Until a person makes a decision to live for Christ, all the other changes, no matter how positive, are like bloody piles of menstrual rags, worth less than nothing. Now, what do you think about that? What does that say in your mind? Someone wrote that. Someone wrote that and someone said that and people edited that footage and like, yeah, this is it. This is the good stuff. And I think it's also worth pointing out at this moment that I don't think there's a single woman in this documentary. There is not a single woman in the pictured even like in the stock photos. <laughs> <laughs> and there's only one non-white person in this, I believe. As Correct. Well. Um but he himself, the non-white person, calls out uh, his background as being uh, extremely conservative Pentecostal. <laughs> In India. Yeah, uh, which lets you know that uh, his family is bloodthirsty fascists. <laughs> uh, big Modi supporters, I'm sure. Anyway, um, that that particular phrasing just speaks volumes to me. Uh, just about the general view of women, I would say. Uh, there are lots of things that you can say are worth less than nothing, but specifically a bloody pile of menstrual rag. Uh, the connotation of like this was, uh, you know, an ovum that could have gone to a baby, but instead, you fucking harlot, you didn't have a baby. It's, it's just really, really red letter shit to me. <laughs> it's a very specific phrasing and imagery and lets you know the type of people we're dealing with in this movie. So, <clears throat> roughly, roughly around this point, the movie makes a pretty serious tonal change, and as I texted to Jordan, the Idiot Brigade came out, so it's like, okay, we can do this movie now. We can talk about it on the show. <laughs> Either be entertaining or stupid enough for us to be entertaining talking about it. Exactly. So, uh, you know, we, with that, we can go ahead and, and, and move on. Uh, the next segment, after the whole bloody piles of minstrel rags thing... Uh, is that uh, the next segment is about how traveling on the road exposes you to otherworldly ideas. Uh, this segment was mostly a bunch of people spinning the same platitudes over and over again, uh, unless you notice something different. This could have been interesting. Again, following a band around, and maybe they play an actual well-known venue and seeing how people respond to them. Or maybe as the documentary person, you encourage them to go to a strip club and film their faces horrified at naked body parts or something fun. Yeah. But we don't get that. We just get 
interviews uh, in back rooms with wood paneling from the 70s. Uh, my favorite is the uh, the guy that's uh, – fuck, what is uh, – what is I wrote down in the notes here um, – uh, I can't I can't remember which band, but his uh, he puts a a lamp directly behind his head, so you just ruin the shot entirely. Uh, Adam Sadler of the protests, not Sandler. Yeah, there's Sandler. there's these interviews aren't all of the same quality. Some of them are clearly done through a computer. Some have like nice backgrounds and it's shot well, but they're in a big room, so there's an echo. Uh, it's at one point the true Liberty guys just audio keeps cutting out and I think there's a lawnmower going off behind him. <laughs> so it's a varying quality. Um, so yeah, uh, eventually you, you, you do start hitting on some funny things here that, uh, there's a, an interview where a guy starts going off, you know, if you watch the news and you see how bad things are, you know, with this country, are with Christianity, but if you could see what I could see out there, the state of the country and of Christianity, it's actually pretty good. <laughs> I wish he had expounded upon the state of the world and the state of Christianity, but we don't get any of that. Unfortunately, you, no. you, you know that you know he wanted to say certain things. I, and that's the thing that this this documentary is ultimately so unsatisfying because I want to hear specifics from people, and they do not offer them. Um, yeah, I, I think you needed someone doing this movie from an outside perspective, and this is clearly done by, and admittedly so, that someone who's been involved heavily in Christianity his entire life. It, for me, like somebody who was raised Christian and is, you know, of course, completely abandoned that uh, later in life, um, I would be curious to see what these people had to say. I would be more curious to hear the music, which the movie just... I have to go find the music on my own after I watch this. There's none in here. That was the most frustrating thing to me. And it's not like they had to pay for rights to use any of it. I'm sure these bands would have happily given it to them. Seriously. Um, So we move on here. Uh, The next segment is about miracles, which is where we start getting to the money for me. Uh, did you enjoy the uh, Miracle segment? I did get a kick out of one band talking about how they <clears throat> played a show and the bar owner like came up to them in the middle of the set and they prayed over him and some woman was <laughs> a recovering addict that was still at a bar for some reason. And yeah. She, she declared her love for Jesus in the parking lot. That would be the protest. And I'm going to play some clips here from Adam. Given a message from stage, there was... A lady in the bar crowd that was actually, uh, I think she's recovering from some sort of addiction. So it's strange that she was there, you know, at, at a bar, but she's with a friend that was like helping her out. Like, like I think she's like in a home or whatever, like helping her like get through her addiction. Like she was so moved by what was being said from the stage in a bar that she actually went into the parking lot and accepted Jesus right there. And we didn't even know it because we were still on stage. That happened. And that's, so that's incredible. Um, we're getting towards the end of our set, and you know, it's like 1 in the morning, 1.30, and the owner of the bar, he was like, he's like, man, he's like, he like grabbed the mic, you know, and he's like, you know, guys, I'm not religious, you know, I'm not, I'm not like that at all, but, you know, like, I just felt really moved, and like, I just want Josh, our singer, he's like, I just want him to pray, you know, over everybody in this bar right now. He's like, I'm not religious or anything like that, but I just really want that to happen. So everybody in the bar, 
you know, bow their heads and pray. And like that was just, that's never happened before. Um, but yeah, essentially a lady who was in a bar, who was in recovery in a group home, is what he said, uh, was so moved by the music that uh, she went out to the parking lot to accept Jesus uh, while the band was playing. So they didn't know about this until well after the fact. Uh, see, and that would have been good to actually see yes. if the camera was there. It would be good to see had it happened, but that's the problem, Jordan. It did not happen. Same see, thing. No, as- Joe, Joe, you have to have faith. You have to have faith that this actually happened and they're not making it up. So it's the same thing as like, okay, we're playing at 1 a.m. in a bar in a small town and the fucking bar owner gets up on stage like, you know, I'm not religious or nothing, but I think it'd be great if you let us in a prayer right now. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? I can't imagine a bar in the world where people are getting piss-ass drunk or like, yeah, let's fucking pray. That is insane. That is an insane thing to say. Anyway. Uh, I enjoyed uh, all of the segments with the members of Faithhead. Did you enjoy Faithhead? Faithhead seemed to be the most, the truest of the believers in this. Actually, like, quoting multiple scriptures during their interviews. Yeah. Uh, one of the members of uh, Faithhead says, uh, I, I just have a thing here about uh, social media blinds you to the miracles. It's specifically social media. Uh, whereas before social media, I remember uh, miracles happening all the time. Um, the other Faithhead guy, and I, I'm going to play a little clip from here this, as well. When I was about two years old, my father and mother, they were burning radial tires outside in front of this house we used to have. And I tripped and I fell in the fire and I was burned. I had second and third degree burns on my hands and uh, all the way up to my elbows. And they rushed me to the hospital. They was trying to hold my fingers apart so that I would, they wouldn't stick together. And a pastor came, our pastor at the time, uh, his name was Don Oliver. He's passed away, gone on to be with the Lord a long time ago now. But he came to the hospital and he prayed. And when they cut the casts off my hands, the there was no scarring and no evidence of any burns whatsoever. So that was a miraculous event. And things like that have happened in my family over the years, over and over. So no one can tell me that God does not work miracles today because he does. You know, my father and mother were burning radial tires in the front yard and I tripped and fell into the tire fire and I went to the hospital and the pastor prayed over me and when they cut the casts off my hands, I didn't have any scarring. And things like that have happened in my family over and over over the years, so I believe in miracles. I'll bet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, I don't want to point and laugh at, like, the yokels or whatever, but come on, man. (laughs) And I think he said in that interview, he's like, some people say it's science, but I know it's miracles. I know it's my belief. So, yeah, and they also interviewed the drummer from that band very, very briefly towards the end of this movie, and it's amazingly awkward about him talking about how he used to be uh, just a regular drummer and now when he plays he's filled with the love of the lord and he's playing for him and he's just like an emaciated devon townsend sitting at a drum kit yeah i feel like all the other guys are taking his servings at the country buffet and he's he can't have any (laughs) um here at the my favorite i think though uh, favorite interview subject in the entire movie is the guy from frost like ashes do you know who I'm talking about? Is this the guy who wore his sunglasses the entire time? That's the fella. He gets a lot of time in this movie. Yeah, so much time, and he's not very good on camera either. 
Uh, but, you know, he, he tells a couple of stories here. Again, we're going to play some clips, but um, I think my favorite is uh, him saying, miracles are real because I've had so many happen in my life. For example, a shipment of my CDs being on a train, but the train gets derailed and everything catches on fire except for my CDs. That's, you know, that's a miracle, for example, that's happened to me. I'm like, oh, okay. That's... Hundreds dead. <laughs> Hazardous materials spilled everywhere, but the CDs are okay. He, prov- he provideth once again. And I'm going to go ahead and play this full story from this guy right here because you need to hear it in his own words. The biggest miracle of all is when you have someone who in their heart has said, I hate God and has lived to oppose God their entire life. Or in their heart they have said, I'm nothing. I am worthless. I would rather die than live here. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, their heart completely changes. And it happens in an instant. It doesn't happen over a period of time. It might take a period of time to get to that instant, but in an instant, the Holy Spirit changes their heart and they become a completely different person. Their behaviors change. Their attitudes change. Um, Their addictions go away. And that can not be attributed to will if it was will they could have done it themselves but they can't so for me that's either a miracle or it's magic and i don't believe in magic Uh, and he says here this quote it happens in an instant it doesn't happen over a period of time it might take a period of time to get to that instant but in that instant the holy spirit changes their heart which is just such a perfect like spinal tap-esque line i love that (laughs) this guy is like the negaduck or the bizarro version of glenn benton (laughs) he has so many great quips here like again he could have been written by christopher guest he says i mean that's either a miracle or magic and i don't believe in magic (laughs) It is very spinal tappy. Uh, okay, this is what I wanted to do a second ago. I'm going to let him tell this entire insane story on his own. There have been many uh, things that have happened over the years uh, that really defy explanation, but probably the one that sticks in my mind the most and that I think about the most, um, I was at a music festival in South Dakota, and we were backstage and uh, we weren't playing but uh, one of the people working backstage recognized me and came up and talked to me and said you know how much he appreciated what we did and and the music and um, said he had a story to relate to me and it turned out he was actually a pastor of a church and he would sit in his office and listened to Frost Like Ashes CDs uh, while he was preparing his sermon for the week. And he had a woman who would come in and do the cleaning of the church during the week. And she did attend on Sundays as well. And he said he, she would come in and start cleaning and sometimes she would stop at the door and just listen to the music um, and after a few songs and she would continue on cleaning and leave. And she did this over a period of several months. 
And finally one day she came in and sat down and talked with him. And he, she, he said that uh, she opened up to the fact that she actually uh, was a Satanist. And she had been working in the church um, you know what she this is what she said that she was working in the church and put there to create discord in the church um, but through listening to the music that he played every time he was making his sermons through the week, um, the Holy Spirit got a hold of her heart and completely changed her life and now you know, she is serving Christ. Basically, he tells a story about going to a music festival in South Dakota. And uh, you and I are familiar with the sounds of South Dakota having tried to find the best band in South Dakota years ago. There is none. Uh, he wasn't playing at the festival. He was just there. Uh, and a pastor came by to tell him a story about how he had, uh, when he was writing his sermons, this pastor would be listening to uh, Frost Like Ashes CDs and a cleaning lady would come in and listen to the CDs while she was cleaning and then eventually she came forward and said I've actually, I'm actually a Satanist double agent I've been here to spread discord among your congregation but this music uh, has changed my heart and now I'm giving myself to the Lord now I know and you know that this is an insane lie from an inveterate liar but I think he actually believes it on some level just like a James Bond-esque Satanist coming in down from the ceiling to spit into the holy water. and uh, It's just absurd, but it's entertaining. And it is. I, I, cho- I choose to believe that he believes it. I, I do too. Uh, it makes it makes the world more fun that way. Um, so, you know, the, the miracles, they're important and all, but we got to move on to another segment here. This one is so nonspecific that it made me mad, but we got to talk about it. This is uh, the segment about the spotlight and scrutiny. Now, what did, what did you think about this part? Well, there is no spotlight, so we can just dispense with all of that. Well, uh, the, a lot of these guys seem to think there is. I, You know, it, and they don't talk about it, like the mentioning of the festivals things, but there are like Christian music and rock festivals that are very well attended and they just don't get covered in anything that we would read or pay attention to. I remember in high school, I was sitting next to a girl who at the time I didn't know that she like kept a Bible with her at all times. It was just a book that had, uh, I think like a leopard book cover on it, just like any other sort of book that you may have any textbook. But she had a newspaper with her as well, and she like went to the bathroom or something like that. And I saw that he was covering some sort of concert. So I just took it, and I started looking at it, and I'm reading it. I'm like, I don't know who any of these bands are. <laughs> just, and it looks like there's a lot of people in the picture that they have. I'm just like, what is this? How is this? And then like 10 paragraphs down, I see like talking about rocking out for the Lord and things like that. And it's kind of like, oh, this all makes sense now. So it does exist it does have its own little following but rarely ever does it cross into mainstream sort of stuff so it would have been neat to maybe see one of these festivals and you know see parents praying with their children over a breakdown and yelling about how abortion is bad yeah uh i think fortunately the heyday of these big uh christian metal uh, christian 
music festivals for the youth has kind of died out uh, after the, you know, basically 9-11, <laughs> uh, which is good. That's a good thing for all of us. But there are still like uh, certain acts that, you know, can sell out, you know, multiple nights at AT&T Stadium. Uh, and it's a fucking phenomenon. And like you and I would never, never, ever listen to or be familiar with these bands like uh, uh, Chris Tomlin or Casting Crowns or shit like that. And they do mention Casting Crowns in this uh, documentary, I think. Yeah, well, that, that's a band that can essentially print money. Um, and, uh, you know, what? actually one day we can do a, a show where we talk about how uh, some of the bigger acts from those youth festival days have kind of consolidated and pulled up the ladder behind them, <laughs> where uh, guys that were in, like, Newsboys or whatever uh, have decided to kind of take a, a mega corporation attack to Christian music uh, so they can... They really kind of run shit, and everybody else gets uh, gets pennies. Anyway, so it's a mega church, but with guitars. Yes, essentially, they they've formed the mega church model. Uh, but that's not like super interesting to people that mostly uh, listen to the kind of shit that you and I listen to. So maybe maybe we don't do that. Uh, anyway, the spotlight and the scrutiny that these people are talking about. So uh, the, our voiceover guy says, you know. The internet is making it so that uh, it's it's so much easier to judge people. And then uh, you see stock imagery of a hand on a phone and like icons for Pinterest and Google Plus and Facebook coming from. Like the Google Plus is such a tell, man. <laughs> I noticed the Google Plus too thing. It's like, ooh, this is real dated. All of these guys say the words like uh, higher standards are placed on Christian musicians than anybody else. That's among musicians. That's among Christians. It's Christians, mu- Christian musicians, that get more scrutiny and uh, spotlight on them and microscopes and all this shit than anybody else. And I just, I don't think that's true even a little bit. Who has suffered more than the Christian guitarist in the world? Aside from one very public thing, which was. Uh, the the guy from As I Lay Dying trying to hire a hitman to murder his wife. That's a pretty big story, but that's a pretty fucking uncommon one as well. Uh, hopefully. I mean, can you think of any other Christian musicians that have had, like, people... that They've been raked over the coals for their actions. Probably not too many, and if they were, it, being a musician was secondary to whatever crime they committed. Um, wait, I take it back. Amy Grant fucked Vince Gill, and that was, uh, that's still a thing that chaps people asses like 30 years later. They're married and shit. <laughs> uh, that's it. That's the only one. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, all of these guys that have upwards of five fans seem to think that their celebrity status uh, is uh, really something they have to watch out for. Um, the wor- And I wrote down these quotes here. Uh, celebrity status unheard of level of pressure Uh, people put a lot of pressure on Christian musicians as soon as you pick up a guitar you're suddenly a great theologian all of these things what the fuck are you talking about I don't know I guess this is how they perceive themselves it it has to be that way right um because I don't think that like your average guy that plays Patio Houlihan's bar on a Wednesday night feels that they are under some kind of intense celebrity scrutiny. I don't get it. 
I've played enough shows where there's at least one or two people who think they're actually stars playing on uh, Sammy's patio stage on a Wednesday night. Yeah. I uh, I want to I want to go ahead and sample this part from the narrator as well, where he's describing his youth, uh, saying like I went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, even on Wednesday, and listening to Ozzy was a hell no, all of this shit, where he just suddenly comes up with a huge list of rules for people to follow if you want to make Christian metal. When I was growing up, I was in church every single Sunday morning, Sunday night and even on Wednesday nights. Metal music was a no-no. Metallica, a hell-no. And Ozzy, he was the devil himself. Slayer, you're joking, right? It wasn't until I was in college when I heard Striper, Saint, and Baron Cross that it struck me that heavy metal could be successfully combined with Christianity. I found it utterly fascinating when I learned that there were metal bands writing lyrics that weren't necessarily about death, blood, and suffering from an evil perspective, but that they were talking about Jesus and using their music as a form of witnessing to their listeners. The pure power and emotion that these guys put into their music is stunning. There are times when I found myself replaying a song repeatedly because of how the message of a song tugged on my heart. There is just a certain level of power in the music, and it is a wonderful opportunity for Christian rockers to share their beliefs. That is, if they can fight past the misconceptions that even Christians have about what Christian metal represents. It would be very easy in this genre of music for one to slip into an anything-goes sort of situation. It is easy to become immune to what is offensive because of the constant exposure to it in our society. We might not cringe at something that gives others nightmares, and Christian artists must be careful not to let unwarranted vulgarity or violence slip into their music. It is a huge responsibility, and the bands must be on high alert in making sure it does not happen in their music. From the song, to the artwork, to how it is presented to the public, Every part of the process must be carefully thought out and prayed over for countless hours before anything is released. On the flip side, is Revelations too dark? Are the genocides of the Old Testament too dark? Can there be any darker image than the crucifixion? Christians have become hoodwinked into believing that our faith is all nice, white, good, full of peace and happiness. It is not. Let's be honest, Jesus was tortured to death. After being flogged so severely that his ribs were visible, his hands and feet were nailed to planks and he was hung up to suffocate publicly. That is the greatest thing to have ever happened to mankind. Is that too dark? I don't know, but it was God's idea. Bottom line, it depends on if you are doing it for the sake of being metal or trying to convey a point. When you read about the day of the Lord in the Bible, where the heavens will roll up like a scroll, the stars will dissolve, and all the earth and its elements will melt away, there is nothing more dark or more terrifying than that. I mean, it talks about men's hearts failing them when they see what is coming upon the earth, and people hiding in caves crying for rocks to fall on them in that context. Heavy riffs, growling vocals, and skeletons on album covers don't even compare. Do you remember this part in the movie? Mm, I don't. He's like, well, it's easy to succumb to the anything goes nature of heavy metal music, but it's you got to remember that like you can't do anything uh, outwardly shocking, or you can't do this. You have to make sure that Jesus is centered. You have to use the story of the scripture. It's like, what? The, this is who are you? Like, what is your deal? Why are you telling me what to do? 
Christianity does like its rules and then not following them. Yeah, he's, he says essentially like, is the story of Revelations too dark? Jesus was tortured to death, and that was the greatest thing to ever happen to mankind. It's fucking wild. Um, he also uh, has a segment here talking about the opposition that these guys face. W- what did you think about that? I would have liked to see an opposition that they face, but we didn't get any of that. We didn't. Um, I mean, I guess we're the opposition here. Uh I- Yes, like I don't. I kind of don't care that these bands exist. They're gonna do it regardless how I feel or not. And I don't think enough people are actually listening to them or paying attention to them where it's gonna be a problem. So I, I am not your enemy. I think songwriting and song quality <laughs> is the real enemy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm not trying to stop you, but I would like you to do better. Um, the drummer. Uh, from Faithhead said, I think it was God. No, sorry, it was uh, the guy from Frost Like Ashes or whatever uh, said that, you know, other metal musicians have given him hell about doing this, but he says, quote, God told me to do this before any of these styles of music even existed. What does that mean? I don't know. Uh, you have the guy from the protest saying, we are the opposite of Casting and Crowns, which is another thing that I've written down here. But he calls them a great band, this specifically. <laughs> so I've never heard of Casting Crowns. What do they sound like in comparison to the protest? It f- sounds like some... It's... I, I, it's the most anesthetic, clean music you can you can think of. There is no distortion. It's just people singing clean and pretty, and that's about it. So is it like Switchfoot? No, the Switchfoot has distortion and shit. This is like, oh. yeah, like this is nothing. It's nothing music. It's what you would hear like in a dentist's office in hell. And is it like, I've heard praise metal before. Is that kind of what they're going for? Is it very obvious? Raised down from heaven, bloody handprints, walking with the Lord stuff, or is it a little vaguer about it no casting crowns is like lord i lift your name on high just so we know us you know secular devil worshipers understand what we're dealing with it's essentially pop music if it had no hooks uh nothing cool going on like an 808 or like some cool synths or anything it's boring ass fucking church music that's all (laughs) Mm. um the guy from Faithhead said, we have been called uh, wolves in sheep's clothing, as in uh, other Christians have accused them of uh, trying to spread uh, devilry, uh, which, uh, do, do you think that has actually happened? I feel like that probably has happened. Uh, not a lot, but I could see someone being like, well, this is this guitar music is what Elvis used to do, and that was evil then, and this must be evil now. Um Probably not a lot of people, but I could see that happening. I guess so. Uh, did you did you listen to Faithhead? I think I listened to about thirty seconds of most of these bands and went, "I'm good. That's enough of that." Yeah, this was um, like a blues bass kind of thing with just dog shit vocals. We're, here, let's listen to it a little bit.
feel like I should play a little bit from everybody on this show. I don't know. Um, none of it's very good, so we don't need to listen to much of it. Uh, your favorite was, uh, was it uh, fucking Grave Robber, right? They're probably the most, I wouldn't even say mainstream, but most tolerable well, thing that's out there. They have a they have um, a song on YouTube that has 88,000 views on it, which is by, you know, eclipses the shit out of everybody else. Think of that with your regular band that practices and works hard. Uh, I like the gimmick that they have. It's entertaining and fits in a, with their sort of horror punk-ish aesthetic. And I like his interviews because he does it in character. He's like a pro wrestler. Yeah. And he's he seems like he's one of the more tolerable people being interviewed uh, and actually has some sort of intelligence behind him. But he's still doing it in a voice like this <laughs> and just – and gesticulating with rubber hands. It's just very silly. Very, very silly. But again, I find this so much more palatable than any of the other acts that we have here. There was, we I forget which band it was, and I don't even know if they get interviewed. But we see a clip of a black metal Christian band playing. And it's their cruddy music video. And my girlfriend actually walked by while I was watching this and was laughing out loud at how they had people dancing with... Uh, masks on like eyes wide shut masks and then like their faces are bleeding and it was just all very silly and goofy but there was a b plot in that video where like there's a guy smoking a cigarette and then somebody starts yelling at him for smoking the cigarette and in this video i might have been the bassist was wearing a reverend horton heat t-shirt wow i missed that part and they're wearing like corpse paint being all grim and stuff but Reverend Horton Heat of all bands very funny what the fuck very very I guess that's the thing if you have this accepting environment uh, where everybody's supposed to be supportive of you know spreading the message of Jesus primarily over anything else you got some real dumb shit going on nobody's there to check it (laughs) no one's there to say maybe we shouldn't have a psycho Billy freak out in our black metal music video it seems like a, a valid thing uh they also had like uh, some guys from a black metal band I'd never heard of, um, Nordjevil, something like that. Uh, the guys who are basically standing at a bus stop saying, "Yeah, we don't really care for Christianity." Uh, so those were the representatives on the opposing side that actually kind of sucked a lot. <laughs> yeah, one of them had a very—I think they both had very silly fake black metal names—and yeah. they were probably the most controversial. <clears throat> Of all the opposing bands, and even then, it was still fairly respectful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, the director of this, uh, I think this is his only movie. The writers on this, this is, I think, their only movie. Um, it feels so very amateurish, uh, top to bottom. 
Let's see, the documentary right now on YouTube has almost 20,000 views, which feels like fucking knocking it out of the park for, honestly, how much work went into this, I think. I guess. It's, I think it's probably available in other places, too. Yeah. So, and I think it was actually for sale. You could probably own a DVD of this. I think they had a Facebook page at one point that hasn't been updated in a few years, too. But... Uh, is, does this count as a success? I don't think so. Can't say I've heard of any of these bands since the year it came out. And like I said, there, this could have been very interesting or entertaining or fun or funny or insightful or enlightening or something. And it's just none of those things. Uh, it it sucks a lot, but you know that's our perspective. Let's take a look at uh, what uh, what some other people have to say. Uh, let's see. Paul Seacrest here says, uh, I once told my wife I would go to church when hell froze over. I grew up practicing occult things and Satanism. I am 44 years old and I've been saved since 2003, so I guess it froze over, boys. I am not a perfect Christian. That's why I need Christ. I need him every day and I fail him every day. And yet he is still there for me. Uh, so that's good for Paul, I would say. Um, what is the deal with... Uh, Christians uh, believing that Satanists are everywhere or pretending to have been a Satanist or just this overall obsession with Satanism that I got to say in my day to day, I do not deal with at all. Probably it's an easy enemy to point that and won't get you in trouble with a broader audience because it's easier to say a Satanist and not like a Muslim or a Jew. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, let's see. For those that have eyes to see and ears to hear, thank you, Father, that I can see, and thank you for music. What a gift and blessing. I agree with that time to see. Uh, thank you for music. I like that. I like music. Uh, let's see. Uh, President Snow here says, uh, lol, Grave Robber is not doing an interview unless he is in full character. I love it. Grave Robber is the gore of Christian rock slash metal. What do you think about that? Oh, that sounds so lame. It is very, very lame. Um, <clears throat> it actually that that just reminded me. Uh, I don't know if it still exists anywhere, but there was, I believe, in Colorado, a Christian wrestling federation. Why? What? I mean, I guess because there mo there's money to be made in it, but like, I don't want to see. Uh, comic book guys uh, fighting uh, with explicitly Christian themes. That seems like you're shoehorning too much shit into one place. And that stuff's on YouTube. You could find it. And I think um, Paul Bearer was actually in it as like another manager. But it's very much a, here's the guardian angel, Mike Christian, coming out and cutting a promo about you know, fighting for the Lord against... Paul Bearer, who's in a black jacket and a red shirt and doing the whole thing. It's very – there's nothing subtle about it. I mean I guess in my mind I was thinking it was like a one – your wrestlers were like, this guy's a Pentecostal. He's facing a Baptist. So like you got, you got people like you know uh, who are into it based on whatever denomination they follow. I guess it makes more sense to have it be a Christian guy versus a Satan guy. Oh, and it's the Unitarian with a chair. And the referee's <laughs> nowhere to be found. <laughs> Typical. Uh, let's see. This guy here says, I'm a bit ashamed to say that I often intentionally go to church half an hour late because I don't really like the music, although I'd still take it over rap or hip-hop. 
I feel mm. like yeah, this is a real red flag there, huh? I feel like such a liar and a hypocrite in church, standing in the pews and pretending to worship with a musical genre I don't have a heart for. I am so grateful to Christian metal bands providing a Christ-centered alternative for people like myself. Yeah, this music in church doesn't whip sack. I need to listen to something with breakdowns. He does have a point. Uh, church music does suck shit. Uh, I can say that with some experience. So, yeah, I agree. Eddie Izzard does a good bit about, I guess, Christian music or praying in church and how it's all very bland and sad. Uh, hallelujah. So uh, maybe some of these people need to go to some black churches and have some fun i mean yes i would i would recommend that uh, definitely a more rousing experience although the downside is that whereas your typical hour in church suddenly becomes like four and that sucks <laughs> but you do get to wear fun hats and bright clothes that is true uh no i uh i i went to church uh before the explosion and contemporary uh praise and worship stuff uh in the late 90s so i remember uh the old ass hymns and then suddenly things were like supposed to be more livelier and youth focused, and the music was so much fucking worse, dude. So much worse. <laughs> the preacher takes out an acoustic guitar, and you know shit's about to go down. Yeah, exactly. Just badly tuning, and my, Michael wrote his book. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'll get it. Hallelujah. Um, really, um, I could do a show about how much I hate certain hymns and uh, contemporary praise worship songs. Uh, really. What, a... What's your top worst hymn? Whew. I, I think that, um, man, it's, it's, it's so many fucking bad ones, dude. Um, Lord, I lift your name on high is probably my least favorite. I would say it's a pretty soft one. Yeah. They're, they're all so weak, dude. There is no juice. No solos, no heavy drumming, nothing good. Just, just total soft. Uh, you know, you get you only get one. Uh, what is it? Uh, Jesus is just all right with me. No, Jeezy uh, Creasy Superstar. <laughs> uh, what do you think? Did this uh, did this make you abandon your sinful Jewish ways and accept uh, Christ as the Lord? You know, it surprisingly didn't do that. Well, damn. We gotta find another Christian documentary, and maybe that one will do it. Again, it could have been interesting. Could have been something. I think if you had an actual documentary, documentarian, it could have been fun. It could have been interesting. It could have been something instead of just here's some interviews, here's some stuff. Thanks for coming. Bless you. Yeah. Uh, overall, swing and a miss. Uh, not a big fan of any of this at all. Uh, any closing thoughts on it, though? I, there's a pretty good reason why we've never heard of any of these bands and why we don't come across them in our daily lives. Uh, I feel like we should probably definitely close the show listening to a full song from one of these bands. <laughs> well, I was going to say Deicide or Vital Remains, but okay. Yeah, I mean, that's a little obvious. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta listen to some exhortation or some shit. White noise. Something good. Yeah, yeah white noise. Uh, we recorded a bonus episode yesterday for the Total of Hell Patreon. Uh, what is it about? Patreon.com slash Total of Hell. We are continuing our label ball series where we take over a well-known heavy metal label and 
we make decisions. Who do we want to keep? Who do we want to get rid of? Who's on thin ice? Which bands we've just absolutely never heard of? Which bands are still somehow on a record label despite not putting out any music in over five years? Which bands get forgetting about even though they just put music out on this label? Which which bands have members that are very racist and have been credibly accused of grooming underage girls? You get to hear all that fun stuff and more if you sign up for Patreon because we are doing Prosthetic Records this month, part one, because they have so many bands and we had no idea until we were an hour into this. I'm like, oh, we should probably stop right now. Uh, if you like this program, please subscri- consider subscribing to the Patreon for bonus episodes. We are almost at a level where we're going to do those bi-weekly. Uh, we just need a little bit more scratch and we'll deliver the goods for you guys. Um and that's I think that'll be nice I think everybody if you like the show get more of it give us some money make us happy Uh, if you can't can't afford the Patreon by the way let me know we'll just send you the fucking episodes that's fine and the easiest way to help grow the show and keep us doing what we love to do tell people about it tell them about the website toiletofhell.com tell them about the Patreon share shows around you can tag us on social media talk to us whatever we're around the more people talk about it the more people know about it and we get to game the algorithm as best as we can for people that put in some effort not a lot of effort we're not hustlers we admit it no uh like the most effort i think we've ever done into promoting this show is occasionally we'll make a two-minute clip (laughs) that's enough effort for one week we gotta lay down after that yep uh, but yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for the support. Uh, if you need something, uh, shoot us a DM on Twitter uh, or wherever. Uh, and other than that, I think I think we're done. I think we're out of here, man. Blessed be to you for listening to this show. And uh, yeah, all the good God stuff. All right, so I'll talk to you later. Bye.
You are listening to 66.6 FM, Radio TOVH, The Flush.